Hey Moth family, save the date for the Moth main stage on Saturday, February 27th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us and host Jonathan Ames for an evening of stories as five storytellers take the virtual stage and share a true personal tale from their life. Stories of glory and defeat, taunting fate, laughing in the face of danger, and the moments that forever changed the course. Buy tickets now at themoth.org slash virtual mainstage. Welcome to The Moth Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy. This week, we're taking on the old adage, you win some, you lose some. And we have two stories on the podcast about the ups and downs on your way to the figurative and sometimes uh, literal, in one of these stories, finish line. Our first storyteller, Mina Ziabari, told this story at a moth slam in Brooklyn where the theme of the night was stranded. Here's Mina live at the moth. So, it was 2009. I had just wrapped up my senior year at Ithaca College, and against my Ithaca, <laughs> and against my better judgment, I had followed my high school sweetheart to Nashville, Tennessee, in which eh, um, I was working three jobs and supporting him while he pretended to pursue his associate's degree at the local community college. And needless to say, I felt pretty out of control in my life. I was about six months in looking around going, what am I doing here? What am I doing with him? What am I doing with my life? So I decided to pick up running. Um, I went to the gym, got a gym membership, hit the treadmill, and my first week I was averaging about five miles a day, which I clearly had a lot of stress I needed to get out. (laughs) Um, And uh, in my second week, uh, his dad called me, and his dad was this notorious marathoner. He had a very jolly beer gut, and the joke was that he ran marathons to keep up with his beer habit. And he, he said, hey, Mina. And he was from Tennessee. And I said, hey, David. And he said, so, like an idiot, I got the flu, and I can't run this half marathon. Do you want to do it? And I said, well, yeah, because I just started running, and... <laughs> It's a week and a half, and I am doing so well. Definitely, when is it? He's like, it's Saturday. And I'm like, it's Wednesday now. You know what? Screw it, let's do it. He gives me the instructions, I show up. Uh, It's like six in the morning. I'm like, I'm gonna be one of the early ones. Um, And I start running. Uh, and it's really, with the exception of like two, like legitimately two people from Kenya who like ran the whole thing by the time most of us hit like the four mile mark. Uh, it was me and two other girls. And we were kind of swapping out like fourth and fifth place. And I felt like, wow, I'm doing really well here. And uh, you know, when I started the race, I had two goals. The first one, to finish. And the second one, don't walk. And because I was like feeling so good, I was like, you know what? Every time I passed a water station, I was like, don't drink any water. (laughs) I know, a lot of you run, right? Yeah. Uh, I did not research. I had only been running a week and a half. So 
I passed all of my water stations because I made this bet with myself. Like, you're not allowed to have water until you at least run half of this race. I know. Trust me. So, like, by mile six, I'm really thirsty. My tongue is sticky. My, the back of my throat is dry. And I'm feeling a little, like, my mental fortitude is starting to weaken. But off in the distance, I see a tent. And they're like two guys in the sun, and they're holding cups. And I'm like, it's fine. I'm there. So I sprint over to it, and I grab these cups. I mean, double fisting. And I start taking it back and immediately vomit it out. And I turn to the guy who is like manning the tent. And he's got a cup in his hand that's slightly, it's like a bigger version of the ones that I was drinking out of. And like these sporty Ray-Bans on. And I was like, what is this? And he goes, it's beer. And I was like, why? And he's like, carbolode. And I was like, do you have any water? He's like, that's two miles up the road. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. So I start running and I get to the water tent and I'm drinking this water and I feel totally re-energized. I'm like, I can do this. And I realize in that moment, I'm on mile eight. And that is the most I have ever run in my whole life at once. And I'm like, I got this. Mile eight, no big deal, just a few more to go. Um, and so I put my headphones in, I just start running. And I feel like I'm like running these miles. Like I must be, the minute, like when I came to from this like brief meditation that I was in while running, I was like, I must be like on mile 13. I only have 0.1 left to go. And you know, they have these mile markers and they tell you what mile you're on. And I see one coming up and I run over to it and it says 8.5. <laughs> I had run a half a mile, but it felt like forever, like a great forever. But I realized I had only run a half a mile. And from that point, I started breaking down. I was like, what am I doing? Actually, there's a lot of miles left. In fact, there are enough miles left. That the amount of miles that are left are the only t miles I've ever run in one run before. Um, and by mile nine, I was done. Uh, I was cursing myself. What the, were you thinking? What the, were you, what are you doing? You have four miles left to go. Um, and then it just kind of devolved into, and what are you doing here? I looked around, I mean, the, first of all, the course was in a loop. It like went from one place to a different place. So I look back and I, I couldn't go back. And I look ahead and there's so much to go. And I felt stranded. Um, and then I thought about my life in Nashville and I thought about my relationship and I thought about, <laughs> you know, and I basically, before I knew it, was walking. And uh, just as I started walking, this old man, passed me and I burst into tears and when I looked up not only had he passed me he had turned around and now he was coming at me and he pulled up right next to me and he was jogging in place essentially because I was going that slow and he looked at me and he said what are you doing and I looked at, up, up at him and I said I'm tired and he goes do you know how old I am and I was like no. And he goes, I'm 62. 
And I go, okay. And he's like, how old are you? And I'm like, I'm 20. And he goes, that's what I thought. Pick it up, kid, let's go. And I was running again. And about a mile down the road, he is like, are you good? I'm like, yeah. And then he left because I was clearly going too slow for him. And before I knew it, I was pulling up to the stadium, which was the end. And um, there's this guy with a microphone, and he is checking everybody's tag to see their numbers and looking at a paper and then calling their name out as they cross the finish line. And the stadium erupts into applause. And he, I'm approaching him, and he finds mine, looks at the paper. Then he looks up at me and makes a confused face, looks back down at the paper, and then like points to it and goes, and shrugs, and as I pass him, he goes, and here comes David Cooley. <laughs> and I cross the finish line. That was Mina Ziabari. Mina lives in Brooklyn, she works in real estate, and she's also a writer. At the moment, she's working on a collection of personal essays entitled The Women of My Family, about three generations of Chinese women and their journey to find common ground. When we followed up with Mina, she told us that she and her boyfriend in the story parted ways shortly after her run, and they're both in new relationships now, but they remain friends. And Mina is still running, which is awesome. She's run a number of races recently, including a half marathon around Angkor Wat in Cambodia, and she's training for a full marathon in 2020. So go, Mina. Up next, Dina Adler. She told this story at a moth slam that we held at Housing Works, one of our longest-running venue partnerships here in New York City. The theme of the night was technology. Here's Dina live at the moth. When I was in my mid-30s, my mother said to me, you know, you're not gonna meet anybody just sitting in your apartment all night. And you know, she was right. But the flip side was that I also wasn't gonna be disappointed and heartbroken either. Um, I wasn't very good at dating. I was the type of kid, I never went to my prom. I didn't really have a lot of serious relationships, but I, I did wanna meet someone. And so I did do a lot of online dating, not successfully. I had a first date here and there. But I always felt that I had a boyfriend and my boyfriend was the New York Yankees. I, they were great. I fell in love with them in the summer of 1977 when my dad took me to a game. And since then, I always followed them. They were always there for me, pretty much, you know, from February to, let's face it, November. They're always going to be there. And they were great to me. I mean, David Wells pitched a perfect game the night I got stood up on a blind date. David Cohn pitched also a perfect game for me on my 35th birthday when I had just been in a really bad biking accident and I was not ready for dating at that time. But my mom was right, I did want to meet someone, so I decided I'd go back on the online dating. But this time, I was gonna do a different website. I was gonna do this, I heard about this more religious website, so I thought maybe I would meet somebody really pious, somebody nice. You know, I could learn how to do a Shabbat dinner. I could, I could do it, I could do it. For a guy, I could do it, I could do it. So I met this guy on this religious website, I went out to dinner with him, and. During the appetizer, he took my hand and he said, there's something I need to tell you. And I kept thinking, please, dear God, let it be. I have an illegitimate child. I, I can take that. I can take that. But instead, he said, I like to frequent S&M bars. I just want you to know that. Listen, whatever you're into, that's OK. But I was not. 
and I was more upset that he said this over the appetizer, and now I had to go through the entire dinner. So when I came home, I was, that was it for me. I am, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, maybe it's just, I'm not gonna meet someone. You know, look, I'm a little quirky. You know, I, I like to listen to music loudly in my apartment by myself so much that the neighbors complained, which was a little embarrassing. I had a fish tank, not a dog, not a cat, and I talked about my fish all the time, and I decided, <laughs> it's okay. I got my Yankees, I got them February to November, and all the good romantic comedies come out in December and January. <laughs> I'm set, I'm set. So New Year's Eve rolled along, and I went out with some girlfriends, and one of my girlfriends brought her friends who were a bit older, and they started to really complain about dating and relationships and how hard it is to meet somebody, and uh, believe me, I know that frustration, but I decided I'm a Yankee. I'm gonna go down swinging. I'm not gonna go down looking. I, I gotta do something. I, I need to meet someone. I gotta try maybe a little bit harder. So when I went home, I got a recommendation for a really good therapist to find out why I think the things I think about myself. Why do I sabotage relationships? Why do I pick the wrong men? And then also on one website, JDate, there was like a customer service button that you could call and they will help you draft a profile. And so I called up and I spoke to this guy, he was really nice and we rewrote my profile so it was a little better. And so I went back out there on JDate and I emailed this one guy and he emailed me back and he called me and when he called me the music was blaring in the background and he said, oh I'm sorry about that, have you ever had just like a three dog night day? Like the band was the music, you know, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, was playing really loudly in the background. I'm like, oh yeah, I've had that kind of day. I definitely have. And so on our first date, we walked for coffee and on the way to the coffee shop, he said, can we just stop off in Petland? There's a fish that I wanna get. <laughs> But he wasn't perfect. He's a Met fan. It's okay. So we went on a date, and he proposed to me nine months later. And we've been married ever since. But I will tell you, the night that he proposed to me was the night that the Yankees lost the World Series <laughs> to the Florida Marlins, and they were heavily favored. But I do feel that the Yankees lost because they knew that I was gonna be okay and they could relax. Thank you very much. That was Dina Adler. Dina gets a lot of inspiration and story material from living with her husband, adorable son, five fish, eight gerbils, and two guinea pigs. She's a writer, law school career counselor, and former practicing attorney who's working on a screenplay. This baseball season, Dina says she's having a blast watching the Yankees dominate while her husband suffers through Met games. Her words, not mine. And she says she's confident she'll be watching her team until the end of October. So we'll have to, we'll have to see, Dina. To check out some photos of Dina and her family, just head to our website, themoth.org. And that's it for us this week here on the Moth Podcast. Remember, you can find all sorts of story extras, behind-the-scenes stuff, generally just more moth all around if you check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, uh, Twitter, at The Moth, and Instagram, at Moth Stories. 
Tell us what you thought of the episode, what you'd like to hear more of on the podcast. You can also pitch us your own story on our website, themoth.org. We love hearing from you, so please reach out. And until next time, from all of us here at The Moth, have a story-worthy week. Dan Kennedy is the author of Loser Goes First, Rock On, and American Spirit. He's also a regular host and storyteller with The Moth. Podcast production by Julia Purcell. The Moth Podcast is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange, helping make public radio more public at prx.org. Moth Story Slams are back. Held on Mondays beginning in February, join us for our weekly open mic story slam competition. February's theme is Love Hurts. Throw your name in the hat for a chance to tell your story or just come to listen to stories of a total eclipse of the heart, kicked to the curb by the people or places or things you love or used to love. Visit themoth.org slash events to buy tickets now. That's themoth.org slash events.